Hello friends, welcome back to the What Now podcast. Today I have the immense pleasure of talking to Noam, a fantastic, phenomenal artist from Mission, British Columbia. This individual is so kind, so loving, so gentle, and all of those things come across in his music. He seeks not only to put the city on the map, but also to influence those around him in a positive manner. Please give a warm welcome to Noam, also known as Cody. Goody, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, thank you. That was a wonderful intro, man. Thank you. I'm super stoked to have you on the show to talk to you, to find out your story. But first and foremost, I would like to say thank you for letting me tell a portion of your story. There's much more to it, which we'll dive in shortly. Of course, man. So I want to be here. First and foremost, where are you from? I was born in Langley, uh, March 23, 2000. And then uh, when I was three years old, I moved to Mission. And then I've been there ever since. So you're living, currently living in Mission. Mission is in BC, British Columbia, British for those who Columbia, don't know. My man is rapping all of BC right now. Yes, sir. What is it like growing up in Mission? Oh, it's really country. It's it's super, country. super small, one high school. Yeah, it's sweet. I love it. It's home to me. I haven't spent a lot of time in Mission, but I'm sure there's a lot of things going on in Mission. Country. When you say country, like what kind of things do you do in Mission? Oh, for entertainment? Oh, man. I mean, there's like a lot of farms and okay. stuff, and like a lot of outback type of stuff, you know? So we go hiking a lot. Just it's a lot of outdoorsy oh. kind of stuff. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a very outdoorsy guy? Very, very. Yeah, I run a lot, I go hiking a lot. Well, so mission is perfect for you then. Mission is the perfect spot for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, now you are in the music industry, but there was a lot of things before that. How has mission influenced you as a person? Mission's influenced me as a person a lot because it, it makes me have more of a drive. To me, it's like we don't really have like so many big, big influences to pull from. Okay. You know, and so it, to me, like mission inspires me to have a drive that just makes me want to be able to inspire all these kids and everything like that. I think you're the only mission artist that I know. Mind you, I don't keep very much in touch with artists in NBC. You're one of the only ones that I keep in touch with uh, that I listen to. Being from mission, do you think there's a lot of people looking up to you? I hope so. That's my aim, yeah. I get messages like that sometimes too, where people are like, man, like I love what you're doing. And like, you're really putting on for mission and stuff. It's great. Like, it warms my heart, man. I love it yeah? so much. Yeah, yeah. Is it important for you to rep the city that you're from? Very important. I want to be the mayor one day, man. You want to be the mayor? I want to be the mayor one day. I love that city so much, like with all my heart. I love it. That's great, man. I, that's the same way that I feel about Abbotsford. Mm. Obviously, having moved to Abbotsford about four years ago yeah. and spent a lot of time there, and Abbotsford is also a fairly small town. Mm. A lot of people have certain idea of what Abbotsford is, mm. but when I think about Abbotsford, I think about the community that exists in Abbotsford, the friendship that I've been able to create in Abbotsford. Yeah. And overall, how calming the city is and how welcoming everybody is, at least from my own experience, I can't speak for anybody else. Yeah, for sure. I just got a message yeah. from, oh my God. <laughs> I have so many gems in here. Oh my goodness, bro. Who sang that? <laughs> Tayyip just sent it to me. <laughs> that was me, man, back in my grade seven. Grade seven? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have terrible eyesight, so I got the glasses. I got contacts in Just for a little bit of context, <laughs> Taid sent me a bunch of pictures of Cody in grade 7, as well as some fantastic stories. Cody was a very handsome boy in grade 7, but now he's fully turned into a unicorn. We will dive into that portion of his life shortly, but for now, let's get back to it and ask him more questions about his music, baby. Well, how long have you been doing music for? Oh man, I started music when I was 12, so it's been 10 years. How did you discover that you had a musical talent? Uh, my dad's like a super huge like heavy metal guy. So I grew up on heavy metal and all that stuff. And, and my sister used to listen to rap here and there. 
I was really into basketball, right? So she got me on EA 2K12, the video game. There's this one rapper on there named XB. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I've heard He's super sick, though. They have this one song by XB. It's called Awesome. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, like awestruck by like rap music, right? And so when I was 12, I was like, okay, hey, like, I can try to you know, do this. It doesn't seem too hard. Let me try it out. It's fucking hard, you know? I was just making like really... Can I swear on here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, uh, I was just making like really like shitty, like, you know, like I was 12, right? I was yeah. Making, like my voice was super high, hasn't dropped yet. And it was just, it was like super uh, cringy looking back on it. But it was, it was like part of the process, right? So I just started making little raps here and there. And I got made fun of it at school and stuff. And then, you know, I took it down. And then I started it back up when I was like 15, 16. And then, yeah, just like ever since then, I just kept going and going. And then I got better and better and better. And I pulled from different inspirations of different types of genres and all this type of music I listen to. And then that's when my music kind of started fusing into what it is now. Obviously, your father was listening to a lot of heavy metal. Yeah. Has that influenced you at all? Or? I love heavy metal. Okay, because the music that you make now is so far from far anything. Far from anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. On the way here, I was listening to like Slipknot the whole way. Yeah. It's funny, that's what I think my manager always laugh about it because um, my studio is over by the airport in Richmond. And so I drive like an hour and like 15 minutes like every time I go there. And I just listen to like death metal the whole time. And then I go in there and I'm like, you know what I mean? I just like do like the most like calm music ever. You, it gets the frustration, you know? <laughs> Do you think listening to heavy metal allows you to then just let out that frustration, like you said, and then once you get to the studio, you're just like, oh, calm energy? Honestly, yeah. I think that's why I, I, I never get mad. Like, that's me as a person, I, like, I never get mad. I'm just very chilled out. So, um, I feel like heavy metal's played a lot of, like, a big part in that. Because mm-hmm. it, it can play through those emotions through different outlet, you know? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course, of course. I'm trying to think of what I do to calm myself down. Mm-hmm. And it's not listening to heavy metal, I can tell you that, right? Meditate? Okay, so I have a love and hate relationship with meditation. It might be because of my own personality. Yeah. I'll go through phases where I want to meditate, get up early in the morning, journal. Yeah. What's that? Like I do it for a week or two, and then I fall out of love with it. Maybe just because life starts getting busier, and I'm like, okay, like I don't have time anymore. So yeah. I just stop doing it all together. I do love meditating. Whenever I do meditate in the mornings, I do have a clearer vision for the day. For sure. My mind is more settled on the things that I want to do for that specific day. Yeah. When I don't meditate, like I'm kind of frazzled yeah, and all yeah. over the place. But now that I'm starting this podcast, I've noticed that I need help. So I've reached out to a couple of friends who are more structured and yeah. come and help me figure that out. I do meditate, but not as often as oh, I should. Meditation is great. It's like saved my life. Really? Yeah. How so? How come? How? Um, well, like, uh, like what I was telling you before on the phone, like the whole acid experience. Oh, yes, yes, the acid experience. I want to know what was your mindset at that time when you were going through that period? You want me to do meditation first? Meditation that? first and then we'll, okay. we'll dive into Meditation saved my life, man. I went through like therapy last year. And so when I started doing therapy, and then they taught me all these breathing techniques. And then I got this app called Headspace. Have you heard of Headspace before? I've never heard of Headspace. It's a great app. It's a great app. Yeah, it's from this like Buddhist monk. Okay. It's like mindful meditation and stuff. It's great. And yeah, so I did that. It just calms me up every every morning. I do it. And like that's uh, meditation really brought me into like a structured lifestyle too. So I wake up every day at the same time, like really early in the morning, and then I do my meditation and workout and all that stuff. And yeah, meditation just like what you said, like makes me have a clear head. And, and when I don't do it, I feel all frazzled. When it comes to like the acid experience, like I wasn't supposed to do 
acid. What do you mean? What were supposed to do acid? Was it accidental? Uh, no, it wasn't accidental. It was like one of my friends would message me. Cause I knew a lot of people, right? So mm. I was like, oh, like, anybody you need to get me uh, LSD? I'm like, yeah, like, I have a friend. Get it for him. And then he's like, actually, I don't really want to do it with me. You just want to do it with me? Like, that's one of my biggest, probably, personality like faults. I don't think about stuff. Like, so I'm very impulsive. I just do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. We get a trip sitter. One of our friends is driving us around and stuff. We like split like a, a tab of acid. So I only did like a quarter and he did three quarter. We had accidentally ingested it instead of letting it melt on our tongues. And so we didn't know that that would make it take longer to hit. So we just kept taking more and more and more. And by the end, I was two tabs deep. And I was like, these sold the fuck acid. Like this is not even working. You know like Harrison Hot Springs, right? Yeah. You ever been to like Agassiz? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the A&W there? We're in the drive-thru at A&W. My hands are up on like my friend's back seats. And I'm just like chilling in the back. And then all of a sudden, just like my head just like drops. And then I get this super intense like wave of like every negative thing I could have ever imagined in my life. Crazy like panic, fear, anxiety. It was a full blown like panic attack. I thought I was gonna die. My breathing went all like, Ugh. it was crazy. It was nuts. Prior to that one experience with acid, had you taken acid before? I've never taken acid. That was my first like, acid experience, personally. I've done mushrooms twice before that, but never like at a, a high dose or anything. And you just went balls deep, you decided that I'm gonna do acid and I'm just gonna... Yeah, 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 just... I didn't think about it, that was the thing, right? So I didn't think, and then I'm in the backseat of my friend's car, I'm like, I'm gonna die. Cause like, I was like, no way, like, I don't know where this acid came from, it came from my friend of a friend. Oh! I was like, I'm gonna die in the backseat of my friend's car, right? And so, I'm closing my eyes and I'm seeing like the most insane, like, crazy stuff, like, Things would shrink down to like minuscule level and they get like huge. Like, like all of my eyes were closed, like imagining everything. And then I open my eyes and like nothing, no real visuals had set in yet, right? I'm completely panicking. Yeah, at one point I remember we're watching like a, an ambulance drive by and I like almost jumped out and like flagged it down. I was like in full panic mode. Full oh my panic. Goodness. And so I told my friend, I was like, yeah, we gotta go back to Harrison. So we drive back to Harrison. And you know like the backside around? Mm -hmm. I forget what it's called, what the area's called. So we went to the backside of Harrison, and then I remember getting out of his car, and then every, the whole world was on a slant. So I was like walking like this, like all like straight out. Like you ever seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Nah, I've oh, never seen it. Crazy man. movie. I'm watching you lean to the side and, and walking. Everything was leaning to the side, and I, all of a sudden I just full sprint, boom, down to the beach. And it's a nice day. It's like families having picnics. It's like probably at 3 p.m. And all these people are like, "Who the hell is this? He's tweaking." to the water, like kneeling down on the sand. I'm taking my hands because I just felt this like intense need to get as close to the ground as possible. Mm -hmm. I remember it so vividly, it's crazy. I'm like digging my hands in the water and the dirt and the sand and everything. My sweater's getting soaked and just like the water's going all up on me. And then all of a sudden I just like, fall back, completely back. At this point, like no visuals has even started. It's just like a, an intense fear of like, I don't want to be in this state anymore. Yes, yes. You know, I close my eyes and I open my eyes again and then I'm looking at the clouds and then that's when everything started, dude. And like everything's breathing as if it has lungs. It was crazy. I like looked at my phone and like the Twitter bird was like flapping its wings. It was like most stereotypical like acid, like what do you think it would be? Yeah. You know? I remember like FaceTiming my mother. You FaceTime your mom while you were on acid? Yeah. And then we're FaceTiming and her face is like, Did you tell her that you were? Oh, yeah, yeah, I told her. Before. What was her response? I'm an adult, right? So she's like, just 
careful if you die, I'll be pretty fucking pissed. But, <laughs> but just don't die. She's like, just don't die. Be careful. You know, I wasn't careful with it. That was my mistake. But then, but the whole time I was freaking out, I had like the most like insane smile on my face, which is weird, right? It's like shows a contrast between life. I don't know. No, expand on that. To me, like it, it kind of like shows like a contrast between life. No matter how bad things get, you can always just try to maintain a smile. Honestly, that's how I. I've gotten through most things. Same, same. Regardless of how shitty things get, yeah. how incapable you feel, if you stay positive mm-hmm. and you have a positive outlook yeah. on life overall, things tend to work out one way or the Absolutely. other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a big lesson I took from it too. Yeah. It's persistence. Persistence. You know, persistence yeah. through whatever's going on in life. And you know, like the big thing with like psychedelics is you kind of have to go into psychedelics with a purpose. Okay. It's like a learning curve. So, when you say that, I've only done mushroom once. Okay. And before my mushroom trip, I yeah. did it with a friend of mine. Yeah. I meditated before the trip. Yeah. And I told myself, whatever happens here, happens. I am ready for it. Just take me on whatever journey that you think I deserve to go on. Yeah. And by the end of the trip, it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever wow. had. Mind you, I was in a space where I was mentally strong. Yeah. Where if things weren't astray, I could pull myself back for sure and also i was with a friend who had done it a couple times yeah so she could look after me if anything was to go astray oh, okay. i'm a firm believer that any psychedelics that you're going to take you need to be in a good mental space for sure for sure I, you, was, I was not <laughs> i was not in a good mental space and that's the that good, much is evident yeah i was i was not in a good mental space and like um, i thought i was you know mm-hmm. what I mean? and, and and when you go like you're like two tabs deep massive it really is just gonna show you what you're dealing with you know besides like the whole like visual aspect i remember like sitting there and like playing music on my phone and then and everything was super bad up until i played music right like one of my favorite bands called plums super like indie rock band from boston i like played one of their songs and then all of a sudden oh, everything was so beautiful everything was so full of light and it was amazing right I'm like dancing around, mind you, there's all these families there, and I'm like dancing like this hippie, you know, like shaking my hands all up in the air and everything, and I'm like twirling and stuff, with my phone up to my ear, just like jamming out, and then everything's still on slant, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> just if you were curious. Yeah, if you were curious. Yeah, I remember on the way back to his car, so I was like, yo, can we just like, go home now? On the way back to my friend's car, I like, leaned up against a tree to pee because I couldn't hold myself up. It was like, if it was almost as if it was like, what I would being drunk would be like. Mm-hmm. Wait, you know, do you not drink? I've never drank in my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> never drank, but I did two taps of acid. <laughs> Priorities. Priorities. <laughs> I remember leaning up against a tree and looking at my arm. My arm was morphing into the tree and I was peeing solid gold. It was crazy. Getting back into my friend's car and I decided to play Screamo. Like heavy metal scream out. Okay. And I was feeling the words on my hands. Yeah, it was weird. Go back to my house. I watched like a whole movie with my parents. And then I go to bed. I woke up the next day like so drained. You know that feeling? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. So drained. And for a whole month, like my serotonin receptors in my brain like, went through the roof. So everything was so amazing and beautiful. And I could, some nights I could barely sleep because I was so excited to wake up the next day. You know, it was weird. It was super weird. And then one day, I was at like my sister's birthday party and like my other sister, I have two sisters. So I was in like the middle child with my sister Sarah's at her birthday party. Mm-hmm. Her ex-boyfriend's farm. Just chilling there and then all of a sudden, like this crazy feeling. Fear, anxiety, 
panic, throwing up in the bathroom. It was crazy, dude. It was crazy. And then um, ever since then, for a whole month after that, just I, I call it psychosis. Psychosis, yeah. Yeah, I was in like a constant fear of panic for a month. It was crazy. How did you get out of that? It led to me to like really dark times. I was like, uh, you know, I'm alive myself at one point. I just couldn't handle it. Anymore, oh man. You know? And yeah, like I basically like fallen mission mental health. Okay. You know, and I was like, you guys need to do something like right now, or um, there's something bad's gonna happen. And so they like phoned the Rexall clinic and then they got me SSRIs, like serotonin receptor uptake. Yeah, it was crazy. When I was going through that time of like the whole month of like fear and panic mm-hmm. and stuff, I couldn't, I did barely ate. I dropped 15 pounds. At the time, I was like 155, six foot five. Oh my like, goodness. So, yeah, I was like skin and bone. It was like severely oh underweight. Oh my right? goodness. Yeah, and then I got onto like escitalopram, which is like an SSRI, like um, anti-anxiety and mm. depression medication. And that's when the real journey started, to be honest, bro. That's when the real journey started. That's when the real journey started. Because before that, you were mostly just doing rap. I, I guess I skipped that whole part. I was doing rap before, and then the day I, my friend sold me the acid, he came to the studio, and that's when I made like my first like, pop song called Candyland. And then ever since then, like after I did acid, I was like, I'm gonna wanna rap again. Cause to me, like it just showed me there's just so much more to life. Like what I, what I used to rap about was stupid, bro. Like I used to rap about being the best and like flexing, you know what I mean? But that is part of the rapping culture. It's part of the culture, right? yeah. It's yeah. part of the culture. I don't blame you for doing that. Yeah. Or for thinking that that's the way that you're gonna make it in the rap industry. Sure. Right? Flexing and seeing how much money you have. Yeah. How many girls you're sleeping with. Yeah. And all these kind of things. But like you said, there's so much more so to music more. than just that specific genre or sure. that specific type of music that people make. Absolutely, I love rap still. Oh, I love it, I love, I love it. it. I, I, I like being in the club, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tunes are bumping, I'm dancing, Absolutely. having a good time. But for the majority of my time, like, I don't want to listen to that constantly. Absolutely. I want to be able to listen to something that's chill. I want to be able to relax. You gotta yeah. have music with different type of emotions that you're feeling. For sure. And then after I did acid, I just like never went back to rapping. Because to me, it's opened up so much more doors to me. And when I was going through that really hard time, I was writing music the whole time, right? And so I could like translate what I was going through in such a more artistic way. Yeah. Than just rapping about it. And uh, with the high voice and everything. Yeah. To me, it like tapped into something else. I love it. It's beautiful. Obviously, before you reach where you are now, there was a moment of bleakness, moment of sadness yeah. and, and hardship and all those things. Absolutely. But like we were talking about earlier, being persistent. Yeah. And obviously you recognize early on that, hey, listen, I need help. Yeah. And you sought the help that you needed, yeah. which is fucking beautiful. That's fantastic. I'm actually happy that you were able to write down in an artistic way, right? What you were feeling, what you were going through and keep that. Yeah. Because a lot of us, when we go through hardship, we don't want to think back on it. True. There's too much hurt there. It's a lot of hurt. Yeah. Right? So we don't want to be attached to that anymore. But a lot of times, it's important to go back. For sure. To revisit those memories, to be able to move forward. And yeah. Obviously, in your situation, you're yeah. creating this beautiful, beautiful music. Thank you. Nice and calm music. I love it, man. Thank I love you so it. Much. I love it. Thank you. I'll be honest, a lot of times I get baked and I listen to it and I just really? sit down and just like chill. Oh, my man. Thank just you chill. so much. Thank you. Have you had any influences on your music now? You know Tame Impala? I... Oh, okay, okay. I'll send you a playlist. Okay, send me a playlist. Yeah, like um, bands like Tame Impala, Foster the People. You know Foster the People. Foster the People, yeah. You know Pumped Up Kicks. All the other kids with the I almost got a solo. And my favorite band called Plums, and my other favorite band Skags. Like, 
all these indie rock bands, they're super influential on me, especially the lyrics, because the way I delivered my vocals on these songs, you don't understand what they're saying sometimes. And to me, that's like part of the mystery about it. To me, that's part of the appeal about music is not knowing what people are saying. I have to go look at the lyrics and be like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. Or lyrics that don't really have like a clear, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, clear um, sense. Sense, yeah, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's not easy to dissect. Dissect, exactly, exactly. And sometimes they don't mean anything at all. Like a lot of my songs don't mean anything at all, you know? But that's the beauty of it because then it's up for interpretation. Of course, you know? of course. Art is always up for interpretation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So who's Mark Foster? You said that he's your biggest musical influence yeah. in one of your posts. Yeah, yeah. Mark Foster is my biggest musical influence, yeah. In, in what way? Just like the melodies he writes and the way he writes and the uniqueness of his vocals. And I, uh, two of Foster the People's albums are my favorite albums of all time. Oh, okay. Which is Torches, which is the one with Pumped Up Kicks and all that stuff. And then their uh, third album called uh, Save Your Heart Club. It's incredible. I was telling my manager this the other day because we're in the process of like, making my new album. We're just in the beginning stages, so we're trying to look for influences of sounds and all this type of stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, with Torches by Foster the People, which is the album with Pumped Up Kicks. Mm -hmm. To me, it just like brings me to like a whole different universe. Like I think about it, I, like when I listen to the music, like nothing else in the world matters. And that to me, that's what I want my music to do with people. Mark Foster to me is like the biggest influence because he inspires me to create the same and similar vibe that he makes for me. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He creates something that stay with you for so long. You don't want to recreate the same project, yeah. but you want your project to have the same feeling for other people. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like I want people to feel the same way about my music as how I feel about my favorite artist, you know? Music has done a lot for you, eh? Music's my, my number one, man. Ever since I was like a little boy, like I was loving heavy metal with my dad and took my first concerts and stuff. Like, music's the biggest part of my life. Music's the biggest part of my life, yeah. I have my favorite band tattooed on my leg. Like, you wanna see it? Yeah, I wanna see it. Let's see if I can pull it up here. This Australian band called Skags. It's way too up the thigh. No, it's like almost. Like, you know, I can pull down the pants for you, bro. <laughs> right there, Skags. Skags. Okay. Yeah. yeah, my favorite. That was my first tattoo, then this one. How many times have you seen them in? I've never seen Skags live. You've never seen them live? No. And this is your favorite band. They never came to Canada before. But, okay. you know, the crazy thing is that they're playing Coachella this weekend. And so uh, they had a Seattle date booked for last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So I'm so pumped. I got my tickets. I'm ready to go. They uh, rescheduled it for May 3rd, so two more weeks. Hopefully I get to meet them. I swear to God, I'll cry if I meet them. As an artist, what is it like when you meet all the people that you admire? Is it more so like, oh my God, you're so awesome? Yeah. Or is it more like, man, I, I fuck with your music. Like, yeah. you do it as fuck. Like, there's this rapper I really like named Mike Dimes. And I just met him. Ago, mm -hmm. I wanted to show them. I was like, yo, like, you're super dope. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people who I casually listen to, it's like, what's up, man? You know, but when I meet Skags, if I meet Skags, tears. tears. Or, or like Mark Foster, be like, holy shit, that's Mark Foster. You know what I mean? To me, because like, they're such big influences. You know when you like incorporate, not incorporate, but uh, like, yes. song to memory? You know yeah. What I mean? What's yeah. it called? I know what you're yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah. but technical the, the, term. The words slip my mind. No, it's okay. But, we slip um, my mind all the time. With like Foster people or like Skaggs or, or uh, Tim and Paul or Plums or whatever the band may be, like I have so many memories connected to them. You know, so if I met them live, I'd be like, holy moly. I have this one story when I was kind of like going through it back in 2020. That, it was recent, like the acid stuff. Was oh, like, it's, it's only two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. 
grown so much in two years, which is like astounding to me. Uh, when I was kind of going through it, March 23rd, 2021, so last year, my sister contacted Plums, one of my favorite bands. The singer like sent me a voice memo and everything, like wishing me happy birthday. Four tears down. Dude. Oh, they wish you happy birthday? Yeah, yeah, like on a voice memo. Oh, that's yeah, so dude. sweet. Yeah, like, like yeah. For me, that's like one of the best gifts you can ever give somebody. For sure. Nothing that's materialistic. Something that can bring him an emotional high and yeah, just absolutely. makes him smile, just make the person be happy. 100%. Well, come back a little bit. Yeah. Go back to your day job that you do nowadays. Yeah. Right now you're working at a golf course. Yeah, I'm a peacekeeper. Because you're a very humble guy to begin with. Working those kind of jobs, how does that help you stay and be grateful for the position that you're currently in? Yeah, it's great. Humble. I love to work, man. I love working. It makes me like put my ego to the side. I feel like if you just like have music's your only job, you can kind of feel like you're on a little bit of a high. That is most of like, oh, wow, music, my job. You know what I mean? Like, I wake up at 4 a.m. every day, go to the gym, and I work by 6. Like, you know what I mean? And it just keeps me at a schedule. And uh, yeah, put the ego to the side. You get to work, man. You got to pay the bills. Do you think it's important not to have an ego in music? Yeah, you can't take a lot of things personally. People are dicks, bro. People are dicks, but they're just dicks because they got their own ego. You know what I mean? People as in the fans or like people in the music in industry? In the music industry, yeah. There's a lot of dickheads. It's <laughs> the way it is. It's the way it is. There's a lot of people you're not going to mesh with, but you can't take everything personally. Having that job has helped you to just stay grounded. 100%. Stay who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. Because especially for yourself, I see that you're getting a bigger following. Yeah. And your, your stream numbers are out of this world. Mm -hmm. So it would be easy for you to be like, Fuck this, I'm yeah. too big for mission, I'm doing all these great things. Yeah. But somehow, throughout all of it, you stay humble, which is fantastic to see. Even, obviously, sitting next to the great musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool because music's like almost my job. It's almost enough where I can pay every single bill I need to pay every month, and then like I'm comfortable. But I love working. My boss is like the nicest dude I've ever met in my life. And like my coworkers, I love them to death. I'm like, I don't want to leave this place. What else am I going to do with my time? You know what I mean? <laughs> Say you signed the biggest music contract yeah. in your days. Are you still working or are you are you doing um, the music thing full time? Well, like, the golf course is by season. So but say, say I sign like a, a deal tomorrow for like mm -hmm. three million dollars. Mm -hmm. I'm probably finished up the season and still work until the season's done. Season's done. Yeah, okay. I can't just drop it like that. You're a good man. Ah, nice, bro. You're a good man. It's nice. You have two sisters, as yeah. you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And you're the only boy in the family. Yeah. Obviously, you and your father. So you raise around, mostly around women. Yeah. Do you think that has any impact on, obviously, you, the person? Yeah. I would imagine it does. Mm -hmm. And then also, in turn, how does it tie in to your music and how you decide to present yourself to the world? It definitely me as a person. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot. The first thought about, like, when you said that was I come off. I'm a very, very gentle person, mm -hmm. you know? So that comes off of my music. I'm not aggressive in my music and stuff. So maybe that's the influence of my music. But as a person, yeah, for sure. I always treat women with respect. Of course. Yeah. The utmost respect. Always asking for consent. Always. Always. That's the biggest rule. That's the number one rule. Number one rule. Nothing is more important than that. Absolutely. Always consent first. Always bring flowers. Always bring flowers. Flowers are a gift. I love them. Oh, there we go. I love having roses around. There we go. Roses are my favorite flower, bro. Roses are your favorite yeah, flower? Yeah, I'm a sucker for flowers, bro. Oh, I that's love, so sweet. Love, yeah, yeah. I'll go on a date with you. I'll bring you flowers. Oh, that's so sweet. It. it makes people's day. It does. It really does. Yeah. Like it's, People don't realize, but a lot of times it's about the small details. Mm -hmm. Just the simple things, the simple things in life 
making somebody smile. Absolutely. For me, for example, if I'm walking about or biking around and I see somebody who is dressed nice, yeah, is uh, doing something that I appreciate, I always tell them. Yeah, yeah. I always go to them, hey, like I love your hat, I love your dress, That's I amazing. love this, and then you're just like, oh man, thank you so much. It makes people's day. Yeah. yeah. Is that one thing that brings you so much joy that costs you nothing? Oh, I love seeing people smile. That's my biggest joy. Man, you're like just the most wholesome person <laughs> ever. If I can make someone laugh, it makes me so happy. So happy. I love talking to people. Like I'll go talk to anyone on the street. I'm not shy at all, bro. Me too. I'm not shy, so I'll go and talk to whoever. Last night we're at like my friend's release party. Mm -hmm. I was talking to random people, random people, and just like making jokes. I like to tickle people. And check them. <laughs> like, tickle monster. I'm the tickle monster, baby. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know. I love watching people smile. And so if I can make someone smile, it makes my day. You don't know what people are going through. Very true. Right? You don't know what people are going through. Being able to just be a little bit of a light into their days yeah. is tremendous. And people appreciate it more than you know. Absolutely. How would you characterize your music? What kind of music is it? Is it alternative? Is it indie? Is it pop? Is it a fusion of all of those things? I'd say it's a fusion of all three. Like, all three? Yeah. The first songs I did that were like indie pop, they were really indie pop and very, like kind of like a European pop. We'd hear mm. in a coffee house. Mm. But then my new album that's coming out, I have a lot of music, so it's like hard to kind of, it goes through stages, right? So it'll be one sound for maybe three, four songs. I have very low attention span. Okay. So my first couple songs were like indie pop, and then now it's like just pop, and then coming up it's like alternative, and then after that it's like psychedelic rock, and then after that it's like a badass, a lot of bass, a lot of like just okay. drums, and yeah, yeah, it's a 65 on release song. Because when I work at the golf course, we're off from October to late February, right? So it's like once every four or five months. So that's all I did was make music. So I have so much music. Right now, like you haven't you haven't been performing any of your new song live. I've never performed my new songs live. Are you nervous to perform them live? Oh hell yeah. Why? Hell yeah. I mean that was my strongest thing about me when I rap. When I did rap music, I'm a great performer. So I'm pretty sure it's gonna translate. It's gonna practice uh, live sessions and I released like a live video of me like playing bass. It turned out great. It turned out great. I did mess up one lyric, the one bass note. I was feeling myself, man. This new sound. I'm very confident it'll sound good. It sounds better live to me. We practiced it, right? Mm -hmm. I rented a rehearsal space, and like I think those tracks sound better live than they do like on record, which is crazy. I honestly appreciate live music more than I guess recorded music. Yeah. Once you're there live, especially when it's a smaller venue, True. it's so much more personal. And you get to feel exactly what the artist is feeling. You get to see every single sensation. You get to feel every single lyric. Yeah. Because they're up on the stage and especially if you have like 50 people in front of you or yeah. 100 people in front of you. Yeah. Like you, you connect with all those single people in the crowd. Very true. Which I think is one of the most beautiful things that artists do. Yeah. And it's cool from a fan's perspective too because I'm really big into like Aussie rock, Australian rock. I saw one of my favorite bands. Have you ever been to the Biltmore Cabaret in Vancouver? No. 250 max venue capacity, right? And sold out. All the Australians came from down from Whistler. It was so sad. I didn't meet one person with like a Canadian accent. It was all Australians. And one of my favorite bands called Hockey Dad. They came on stage. It was so fun. Like the roof was so small. Like people were crowd surfing and like touching the roof. And it was so good. And that to me, like intimate venues like that are the best. I would have to agree yeah. as a fan listening to music. I would say that smaller venues are for better. Yeah. Because once you start getting into the big venues, like yes, you're able to still connect with the fans and sing your songs and people are still able to see you, but that intimacy that you have 
yeah, it's gone. It's no longer there. True. Maybe like the first five rows. The yeah. first five rows, but then after that, it's yeah. just people just like listening to you from afar. True. Like Rogers would be nice. Too big. Too big. Too big. I don't like going to concerts and things like that. You don't like, like to? go to concerts and things no. What's your creative process like? Now, it's very different than when I used to rap. I work exclusively with one of my producers, uh, called Dargot Bounce. He's from Vancouver. Oh, he's from Surrey. Beautiful guy. Beautiful guy. Rub his belly like a booty man. When I used to rap, I would just like go there and he would make the beat and then I would do the chorus because I always like to sing the choruses and then I would, I would take it home and then I would write the lyrics and then I would come back the next time, record the verses and then we'd start the process over and make the beat do the chorus or take it home. But now, what we do now is I do everything there, everything in one go. I don't like to make songs over periods of time. I'm a one and done type of guy. I'm a one pump chump. Speed is all that. Speed is all that. But yeah, man. So like now, if I go to a studio session with Cold Dark, we'll pull up to a studio. I have my bass. Mm -hmm. I play the bass now. I picked up a bass last year and I'm kind of nasty at it, which is nice. Yeah, but you can lady in the room. So hey, you're feeling go. frisky. There we go, feeling frisky. Um, yeah, I like pull up and then I'll just do the bass lines and he'll do some drums on it. And then if we need guitar, we'll like phone one of our friends and they'll just kind of come and, and play guitar over what we already have. So like with the bass line and everything, I had to dictate how the songs are gonna go. Yeah. And then I tell the guitarist or whatever how I want to play, and then I write all the lyrics there and do all the melodies. But normally, like before I write any lyrics, I'll just go to the mic and I'll just speak gibberish into it but just do melodies right because this is the most interesting part about the creative process is when i go up to the mic with nothing written it's almost like a freestyle but i don't really say words you just like do a little bit of gibberish in there do some fuss and like um if i was doing a melody like like that's my song Candyland, and that's what i did when i was on the mic i just did like some stuff like that right and then um and then you just put lyrics to it and okay. so, because what, what you want to say is already there in the subconscious. So when it comes out in like a gibberish type of sound, you just kind of got to decipher it a little bit. You know, and it doesn't make sense a lot of time, but it's, it's what's meant to be said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you do it all in one go. You write your own lyrics. Everything myself. Everything yourself. Yeah. I don't mix the, the vocals. My guy, Colter, does that. He makes the beat, he makes the vocals. Okay. And then I, I write and I record everything. Do you like to be in control of the aspect of the process of creating the songs. Do you not take any influences from other people? Like, oh, like you should do it like this. You should. This will sound better like this if you try it like this. To me, like art is a very personal thing. So, like when people get too picky, at the end of the day, it's like, are we making this song for other people or are we making it for me? You know, when people are like, oh, you should do this instead of this. Like, if it's a good idea, I'll take it into account. But at the end of the day, it's like that's my song. You know. Okay. So yeah, you... I do it for the enjoyment of myself. Of course. You know. But yeah, like the people that opinion matters to me mm -hmm. the most is cold dark it's funny i have two cold darks in my life my producer is cold dark got bounced and then my manager is cold dark show two cold darks i've only I ever met in my life both my team it's crazy called my manager casey casey will come in throw some ideas out there and then, and then we have to make good music together as us three yeah well, that's yeah. dope i feel like a lot of people do get influenced i've seen artists that i listen to release their first album it's yeah. like the best album ever that's the way it was foster the people the first album, Tortures, was amazing. And the second album, uh, third album was Because yeah. all the pressure comes in on the second time around, right? Especially if it's like a big label that's pushing behind it and everything too. Because you get success and you're trying to follow it up and that's a lot of stress. Have you signed anything yet? Yeah, I signed a deal with uh, r, r Records, which is 
which is a sub-label of Warner Records okay. for Warner Brothers Media. How does that process work? Do they find you or do you reach out to them? I released a song called Survivor with Palfu. Do you know who Palfu is? You know that one song from TikTok about the don't stay away for too long. Don't. I did a song with him and then in the first day I got like 250,000 streams. 24 hours. Wow. Crazy. And so all these labels, they have um, analytics, analytic apps that they use. Yeah. And so they'll show them like what songs are streaming high. And so at like one point we we're streaming more than some huge artists mm -hmm. in that one day period, right? So I was showing them all these people they are. The day after the song comes out, I'm getting a tattoo. I'm at the tattoo shop. I check my email and then it's RCA Records, which is a division of Sony. RCA Records, ASAP Rocky signed to RCA, the whole ASAP mob, like all these big artists are signed to RCA. And one of the A&Rs, which is like the artist and repertoire, the medium between the label and the artist, one of them hit us up. Next day, Columbia Records hit us up, and then the next day after that, it was Universal Canada that hit us up, and then after that, it was this European label Amuse, who I use for a distributor. They tried hitting us up, and then finally it was Warner that hit us up. It was a fit. There's only three major labels, so all three major labels to contact us. There's Sony, there's Universal, and there's Warner. And then what labels like to do is they just get in contact with you, see what your story is, and then they'll like teeter around the idea of uh, you know maybe doing a second meeting. But a lot of the time, second meetings. You know, but Warner was so persistent. Their R and R was like the most amazing. They're so passionate about what they do, and they just they love my music and they love me. It's super inspiring. The guy who runs R and R, do you know the artist Bauer? Harlem Shake. Firstly, the guy who signed me to the label created the Harlem Shake. He was behind the Harlem Shake stuff on Vine. They have such a good rep. And firstly, the guy who owns the label that I'm on, he's like credited with Ijon, uh, Mount Joy. Arlo Grime, Bauer, huge artists. You oh, know, okay. so as soon as like they wanted like, yo, let's sign you to like a five-song EP, I'm like, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So I'm on a five-song EP with, with one. That's the one that's supposed to be coming out. Yeah, three songs are already out. The next one should be in early May with Palfu, then the fifth song, Latency. Latency. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite songs. Super pop song. Super pop song. But I think it's great. Radio worthy for sure. Did you go over there to meet up with them in person or was it over the um, phone? It was cool, like, we only met them on Zoom, and then they just like sent the contract. We have our team, right, we have our lawyers and everything, so our lawyers read it over, we had a meeting with our lawyers, and we're like, is this what you want? And then they explained what's in the deal and everything like that, and I'm like, yeah, it sounds good to us. And then we signed it. I just like took a picture on my iPhone and then like faxed it over. Oh, yeah, sweet, yeah. man. An artist from Mission signed a major deal. That's big time. It's sweet. Alfu signed with Columbia which is Sony Records. Uh, Carly Jackson's on, I think, some Warner label too. Yeah, three artists from Mission. Dude, that is from Mission, bro. You guys are opening doors for people. Me, like, going back to Mission, that's why it's so inspiring. There's only like three people. Oh, and then uh, one of my friends boosted. He signed to Universal Records now. Four? Four artists, yeah. Just in Mission, in a Mission. small area. All around the same age. All went to the same high school, bro. Three artists from the same high school signing yeah. deals in a place that nobody's ever heard of. Yes, it's amazing, man. I love it's it. It's phenomenal. I love it. I was just talking to Tai. Oh, really? And he was telling me a story about you. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you said my first memory of him was on the first day of class that he was throwing <laughs> blocks at me. So that was in kindergarten. I was okay. like uh, five years old. I never went to preschool or nothing like that, right? So I never even had friends until I went to kindergarten. I was a weird ass little kid, man. 
And uh, I didn't know how to interact with kids and stuff when I was five, so Ty was like first day of class. And I just saw Ty. And Ty, when he, had, when he was younger, he had this bald, round head, perfect target. And I just, boom, I had a great aim for a five-year-old. And I just smoked him in the head. I was like, you're playing with me. And ever since then, we just became inseparable. Love that kid. I don't have a brother, so that kid's like the closest thing I've ever been. He's forced a friendship upon him. He had no forced choice. Him, dude. He, had, he had no choice. I was bigger than him, bro. I was way taller. He didn't get crushed. This is how you make friends in kindergarten. You just force him to become your friend. <laughs> hey, you. You play with me now. You're mine now. <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> yeah, I'm the captain. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's how it And then he also said, you quit basketball in grade 9. Yeah, I did. I remember uh, I went to the tryouts in grade 10, and then they made me run so much, I like fake fell. And I was like, oh, my knee's fucked up. And then I went, my mom picked me up and I went home and I never went back. Yeah. But it's funny now because now I run like 6K a day. All I do is run. Yeah, it's so, it's a weird contrast, bro. But yeah, dude, it's great. I'm looking at some of these bitches. Oh my goodness. I was a lady killer back then for sure. Oh shit. I was so shy with girls back then, dude. Dude, I didn't have my first kiss till I was 19. I have to hear the story. Yeah. We were with this very sweet girl. I think we hung out like twice before that. We went to like mutual friends and we went to Cultus Lake. It was like December 18th or something, bro. It was so freezing. But I brought like blankets and stuff. And then I was just like, yeah, I've never kissed her before. She's like, what? You just should have just told her. I did. I was like, I was like, yeah, you should kiss me. She's like, alright. Yeah. That was a great first time though. Dude, I was a virgin until I was 20. I lost my virginity at the Sandman on Davy Street, dude. <laughs> it, was from, it was from a Tinder girl three hours after I met her. That was when I was going through like the whole psychosis shit. And it was kind of fucked up because cause I was like, I need to feel the touch of a woman. Because I thought I was going to survive the whole thing, oh, right? Oh, man. As like, dark as that sounds, I have to experience where I go, you know? Where you go. Oh, my goodness. And I got it done. I was like, oh, this sounds weird. It wasn't all what it knocked up to be, man. Honestly, it never is. Never. It's like with anything. Yeah. There's so much pressure. Yeah. There's so much built up anticipation yeah. of what it's gonna be like. Uh -huh. And then when you get there, because you have your expectations set so high, yeah. then you're disappointed. Yeah. It was it was it was a good time though. It was a good time. She was a lovely lady, you bought her flowers. Lovely lady, bought her flowers. Consent? Consent, absolutely. Thank Verbal you. consent, not just a nod. I have to hear a yes. I was also raised in a house of women. Mm -hmm. I have two sisters. Yeah. It's a blessing. It's a, it's a blessing. Women teach you do so much more. Yeah. Most of the things that I've learned about life yeah. has been taught to me by a woman. For sure. I love him to bits. Yeah, I love him. Obviously, being in the music industry, yeah. there's a lot of ghostwriting yeah. going on these days. How would you feel if somebody asked you to do ghostwriting for them? Oh, I love it. I love to ghostwrite for someone. Has anybody ever asked you? Yeah, we sent top lines. With top lines are like EDM songs. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just like uh, sing it and then someone else will sing. I would love to be a ghostwriter. Cause I just have so many ideas. So I do is like think music, just like constantly like writing. writing. Yeah. Uh, I have some friends send me some more questions. Oh amazing. So I have a lot of questions. Beautiful. And then also you hate camping, I heard. Oh camping's brutal. <laughs> First time I ever went camping, you know Charlotte, right? Yeah. So it was me tied in Charlotte. And we went to Tofino. We were just going there to surf, this the whole week. So much rain. And I was like over in my little corner. And then for some reason, out in the tiny Charlotte, we're getting all snuggly in the tent. <laughs> and I'm in my corner freezing. 
and there's pools of water around me. It was bad, bro. And ever since then, I told Tom, I was like, never doing this again. My first time ever going camping, we went to Jones Lake up in, oh, okay. in Hope. Yeah, yeah. And I've never been camping before. I'm a black man. We don't really do that whole camping <laughs> stuff. But my friend Angelo, yeah. Matthew, and a couple of the other guys, like, yo, like, we're going to go up camping for the night. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Now, bring a bunch of food with us. We spent the whole night having fun, drinking. It was a super nice day. Smoking a little bit of weed. Just having a blast. Yeah. And we were drinking like the whole day. At night, we left the food out. And I've never been camping before, so I thought well, this is regular service. This is <laughs> this is how it goes. So we left the food out, and we had put up two hammocks. So Angelo and I were sleeping in the hammocks. Yeah. And the campsite might have been like ten feet away from us. Yeah. The other guys were sleeping in the truck. And I'm in my hammock, laying there, minding my business, and I keep hearing this this sound on the campsite, like things like ruffling. Oh man, what is that? So in my mind. I'm thinking, yo, this is dope as fuck. Yeah. Somebody's came to clean the campsite. Yeah. <laughs> that was room service. Yeah, that was room service. I'm like, man, this campus, this campground is nice. But I keep hearing the same sound, rustling, rustling. And I open my eyes and I see a black bear. Oh. Just in the campsite. Yeah. And I've never seen any bears in nature ever. Oh, really? This is my first time seeing a bear in okay. person. Okay. Full panic. Yeah. Fall out of the, the hammock. Like, Yo, guys, the fucking bear in the campsite. The fucking bear in the campsite. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my buddy Matthew comes out, comes out of the truck, and then he starts like hurling things at the bear. Yeah. Thankfully, it was like a small black bear. Oh, okay. So it like, just kind of ran off. Yeah. And then it came back. Ate some more food and like ran off again. Oh, okay, okay. So that was my first camping experience. Wow. That was my first camping wow. experience, and I will say, I'll probably go back. I'll, I'll, I'll go on a nice night. Yeah. On like a nice summer night. Yeah. I can't do the rain though. No. No, I can't do the rain. No. I had an experience with a black bear at work. I was too lazy to go to the bathrooms because I was cutting grass. I was mm -hmm. too far from like the pro shop. Mm -hmm. So I just like went into the, the little wooded area. I'm like, you know, my thing's out and I'm peeing. All of a sudden, look over, five foot on the black bear staring at me like this, five feet away. I'm probably from like, just I look at her, she looks at me, she turns away and walks away. <sighs> Crazy. My heart stopped, oh, bro. My heart stopped you telling me that story my right now. Stopped, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, it was intense. I don't have a. Actually, no, that's a lie. I have a lot of fears in my life. Really? Bears being one of them. What's your biggest fear? Failure. Mm. Failing. Failing in the sense that not even not even in a monetary sense. Yeah. Further more so like I want my parents to look at me and be proud of what I've accomplished. For sure. That's like one of my biggest things. Yeah. I want my dad, my mom to look at me like, yeah, that's our son, like he's doing great things. Yeah. So my biggest fear is that like if I don't achieve anything and my parents just look at me like in shame. Yeah. I feel like my life hasn't fully done what it was supposed to do. For sure. Yeah. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. Failing. I think mine would be um, probably like not being happy. Yeah. What does happiness mean to you? Like, what does that look like? If I can wake up every day and be okay with who I am. Wow. You know? That's a really nice, simple way to put it. Yeah. To me, being happy is not having all these things or being famous or whatever. But if I can wake up every day and just be like, you know, I'm content with who I am, that's, that's happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes from being from mission, being in that small environment, and just being surrounded by nature does so much for a person. For sure. And just being in that type of environment, 
having great friends. Yeah. But happiness is misunderstood. Yeah. By a lot of people. I think happiness lies within the simplicities of, of everyday things. Absolutely. That's why I walk so much. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I just don't own a car, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own a vehicle, but really? that's why I walk, I walk so much. Really? I walk everywhere and my bike everywhere. Oh, okay, that's amazing. I couldn't could do life without a car. Just because I'm from Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah, because you live, you live in the booty, so you, de- yeah, you definitely yeah. need a car. But I'm in the city, so it's easy for me to get around. But yeah, yeah happiness is just being able to enjoy the simple things in life. I strive to be happy every single day. Yeah, same. I strive to be happy every single day. And one of the most important things is, as I'm striving to be happy, I also strive to make sure that my friends are okay. Mm, amazing. Because being surrounded by people that love you for just who you are, yeah. the best feeling in the world. Best. The best feeling in the world. There's no amount of money that you can put on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had the same friends for a long time. Ty and my best friend Jeremy. Two best friends. There's Ty and Jeremy, right? And um, they're my mom's friends since I was five. Mm-hmm. Me, Ty, Jeremy, were like three amigos, three amigos in kindergarten. And then I have my friend Cordell and Brendan, and, you know, my manager and my producer and like, all my other friends. Angelo's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a sweet. Two that love me for me. It's, yeah, it's incredible. It's important, man. It's important, especially in the kind of industry like you said. Like, there's a lot of dickheads in, in right. the music industry. So it'll be easy for you to lose yourself if you don't have solid friends that already surround you. For sure. And it's cool because when you have solid friends, you can see who people are like fake. You know what I mean? I don't like that word though. Like, oh, you're such a fake person. Like that to me is not corny. There's a lot of people that just like want to get to you to be in the positions of like, soft opportunities. Of course. You know? And having friends that are real will be able to like make yeah. you see people. That they don't want anything from you. They just want you to be happy. They just feel happy to be around you. True. Because just being around you at all times. Absolutely. People that aren't yes men too. Yeah. You've had those people in life? Yes men? I haven't because like yourself as well, like I had the same group of friends. Okay. I've only changed group of friends since I moved to BC and I had to make new friends. Okay. But like even now like I have the same friends. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. I've never been surrounded by yes men. Yes men suck. But then again, like I don't have anything popping enough for people to be yes men. Oh true, true. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? used to have a couple of people who are yes men. What is a yes man to be? A yes man is someone that just like say anything you do is good and those will boost your ego you know so you just think you're like I'm the shit dude you know what I mean so I used to have a couple friends like that and I was like ah, I can't be around I mean you notice that they just didn't have any drive man. Mm. you know when people don't have drive they just kind of like want to boost you up so much and they go up too mm. that's what yes man is thankfully I haven't had any yes men in yeah. my circle that's good man that's good Ty's a very uh, logical thinker yeah he realized, he'll tell me my shit sucks you need friends like that though. One of the questions that I had was, are the people in your circle honest with you about your music? Very, very. I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like my music. I'm okay with that though. I'm okay. But I have this one song. He's like, oh, can you send it to me, bro? Because I like play it on TikTok or whatever. Mm. And he's like, dude, this is the best song you've ever made, bro. And I was like, thanks, man. He's like, I'm being honest with you. Like, a lot of your songs, they don't hit for me, dude. But like this one really hits for me. That made my day, dude. That made my whole week when I heard him say that. Because they're not yes men, you know? So it's yeah. not like every time I do something, they're like, dude, that's the greatest shit ever. You know? Because to me, that's annoying. It's almost as if like a father that doesn't say they love you that much. Yeah. And then they say, you, and you're like, holy, that just fucking. Yeah. Actually, I had that happen to me two years ago. It's like in the midst of the pandemic. I went home. Me and my dad growing up, we didn't have the closest relationship just yeah. because being a 
alpha male. Mm. Not, not alpha male. Yeah. <laughs> Being a young teenager growing up, trying to find your own way. So me yeah. and my dad butt ahead a lot. Yeah. Where, where's home for you? Home is in Toronto. So okay. not Toronto, but Aurora. So my dad lives in Aurora and then my mom lives in Scarborough. Parents okay. are separated. Yeah. Uh, so I had like, the opportunity to grow up in both both cities. Yeah. Aurora is about 45 minutes, 45 minutes away from Toronto. Okay. And me and my dad, like we, we usually don't really talk like yeah. too much. We just kind of surface like, how are you doing? Good, all right, cool. But this one time I went home, we sat down in the backyard and he was telling me stories about my grandfather. He was telling me all these stories about him growing up in Africa and then how he eventually came to Canada. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of the man that you become. I'm proud of the fact that you moved to BC by yourself. You're finding a way and you're doing great. Yeah. And it took me a moment. At first, it didn't register. But then, he said it again. He said, I'm really proud of you. I was like, Take it back. It was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. What? This happened? Yeah. So that was probably one of the happiest moments that I had with my dad. He, what he told me that he was proud of me. And it made everything so much easier. For sure. Just hearing that from your father and hearing that from a person that you, you hold at a high position in your life, you know? For sure. So I, I, get, I get what you mean. When yeah, people don't yeah. say, it, say it a lot, yeah. like even for me, like with my friends, like I try not to compliment too much. Mm. So when I say it, they're like, fuck you, like, fuck you. Fuck you. What's going on? Dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did it. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. No, it's important. Me and my friends are very close. Yeah. Very close. That's I good. I tell them everything. Too much. You tell them everything? Everything. That helps with the relationship, it has to. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It makes things so much better, so much easier as well. My parents tell me crazy shit too. Do they? Oh yeah. What's the crazy shit they ever told me? They loved partying back in the day. Oh but shit. But they told me in detail about a lot of stuff. But oh. I don't, don't want to out my parents. No, 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 never. Never, never out the parents. But I'll tell my parents about my sex life, dude. <laughs> and what did they say to that? My mom will like high five me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or like I'll just say some crazy shit. And then my mom would like laugh. My dad's always like, come on, man. And like, be respectful. But like, he, he likes it too. I don't know. He likes it. Man. I don't know, man. I'm just super close to my parents. Talk about anything. No, I, I love it. So, awesome. have your parents always been supportive of your dream of becoming a musician? Always. My first show, dude, I performed at, um, do you know that place, that bowling alley in Abbotsford? Five Corners? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, I performed there. My very first show ever. Doing my rap thing. And I look over and my mom's like on a table, bro. Just like this. Just like, <laughs> hands in the air. air. Hands in the air. Filming me and everything. Oh, she's fucking awesome. I love that, man. I love she's that. Sick. I love that. I was trying to get into a couple of parties with me. Remember at like Ben's house? Like, yeah. Ben would have parties. I kept always being like, Dad, she kind of come with me, dude. She's like, no, I don't want to. She's like, I'm going to like bring the party down. It's like, no, you're going to fucking elevate it, dude. You got to come. <laughs> I always want to bring my mom to parties and stuff. It's so funny. That's so wholesome. Yeah, yeah. That's so wholesome. I love yeah, it. It's a good time, man. I love it. Well, we're going to end the conversation here yeah, for today. Sure. Great conversation, man. Oh, fantastic conversation. Thank you for having me. Plug in your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Let the people know. Yeah, on everything, it's uh, known with music. And on Spotify and Apple Music, it's just known. All capitals with period. Yeah, Ken, O-W-N. If you're listening, you definitely have to go check out this boy's music. Phenomenal artist. Very chill vibes. Very chill. I would say. Very chill vibes. Very happy vibes as well. Yeah. I'd say. For the people who are listening, my question for the day is gonna be, what is happiness to you? How do you go about achieving that happiness? Whatever it looks like to you. I wanna hear your answers. So follow me on uh, Instagram. It's gonna be Luke.
What Now Podcast, L-E, What Now Pod, P-O-D at the end. And reach out to me, talk to me, we can have full-on conversations on Instagram. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode. Wishing you a wonderful day, a wonderful evening. But make sure you tune in next week. We're talking fashion, designing, and everything that lies in between with the wonderful, beautiful Courtney Reed, the designer and the CEO behind Sign Badalia, a fashion brand based out of Toronto. It's going to be a banger. Make sure you don't miss it. I'll see you next week. Ciao.